0: You in show business, kid? You sure know how to make an entrance. Look, you gotta do something. Jason's alive. He killed my friend and now he's coming for me. You gotta cool out, boy. You already almost got your head blown off. Oh, you're next and it! Don't piss me off, Junior. I will repaint this office with your brains. Look, Jason is alive. Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Uh, it's a seasonal artisanal audio treat. I'm Rob Schulte. And I'm Graham Young. Hey, Graham, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. How about you, Rob? Pretty good. I uh, really enjoyed today's film. Uh, what are your thoughts on it?
1: It's the shortest film in the franchise, so this might be our shortest episode in the series. Um, and when I say that it's the shortest film in in the series, I mean, uh, thank God for that. Really? Really? Yeah, I do, I do not like this film at all. Oh, um, wow. See,
0: I, I, uh, I had a lot of fun, and... Uh, I say we just get into it because I consider this a Jason version of Rambo.
1: Yeah, Um. I, let me take that back. I, I shouldn't say that I hate this film. It's just, um, it does not live up. I mean, five is a ball. Five is so much fun. And four is zany and everything else. But six sort of struggles to have its own identity. And there are a couple of things that sort of make it Less than stellar for me. One being Rob, that this is the only film in the Friday the Thirteenth series um, that does not feature nudity. There and are there are sex scenes in the in the movie, but no actual nudity. And lots of heavy metal. There and who did the score? Rob was it a uh, Sir Alice Cooper? That's correct. I shouldn't say that he orchestrated the score. He just uh, performed two songs for the soundtrack. It's almost the same thing. Yeah, sure. I, I just wanted to, you know, make sure I get all my uh, ducks in a row here. You think you can give me that 30-second summary? Dude, I can do it in five. It's it's basically, you want to get the clock going. And go. Jason is resurrected by lightning. He kills a bunch of people. And then he's uh, he drowns in the river. Or in the lake. In Camp Crystal Lake. That's about it. And he um, doesn't
0: even really drown because his eye opens at the end. Because
1: at yeah, this he re- point, he is a supernatural being. Bringing back Jason was a directive delivered down to the producers from Paramount. They're like, screw that stuff with Tommy Jarvis. We don't care about Tommy Jarvis. Everybody knows Jason. So let's stick with that. Yeah. And so with this film, the whole passing of the torch from Jason to Tommy Jarvis was never fully executed.
0: Kind of a misstep, especially since it was three different actors.
1: Yeah, it's it's Although kind Feldman
0: of- was in two movies.
1: Yeah, and Feldman's great. Um, I kind of uh, made a comment that I thought that Corey Feldman was, was weird. I just thought it was way out of line. And I never meant that in a negative way. I think that being weird makes you cool. Well, it's it was also Corey, kind of Corey, like the, a
0: standout, like, oh, that's weird, Corey Feldman's in this movie.
1: Yeah, sure, and he's. I honestly think he's a great actor. Um, and he's a, an, an actor that I really admired as a child. You know, and, and I really admire him as a musician. Well, you know what? Um, Whether you like the music or not is really not important. I think that Corey Feldman right now is sort of the the ultimate underdog. And you have to really appreciate his story and everything he's gone through um, in his past. And he just seems like a genuinely pretty cool guy and weird, but I mean that in a very positive way. Hey, man, if I was in those shoes, I would
0: probably be walking a very similar path.
1: Corey has handled it better than I would have. I'll say that. (laughs) That, Good on you. And to bring it back to Friday the 13th, I think that Corey is the best actor to portray um, Tommy Jarvis. Um, Let's be honest, the actor that plays him in this film, uh, Tom Matthews, you know, he's one of those actors that has the looks, but not necessarily the acting chops. He emoted a little bit better than Middle Jarvis. The guy that plays Tommy Jarvis in the fifth movie really has that insanity thing going, but um, in episodes five and six, he's kind of a wasted character. He doesn't do too much. Yeah, so much potential.
0: Like, getting back to that original thought I had, this is like a Rambo movie. Yeah, I want you to go into this a little bit, Rob. Okay, so there's two sides of it. The first and most blatant side is Tommy Jarvis is stopped by the cops and is, like, told you're crazy. We don't want you in our town and is then escorted to the ends of the city, and he escapes. And it's a halfway police hunt, halfway survival movie after that. And although it goes into the horror movie side of it, like, the Tommy Jarvis surviving small-town cops, and then, like, instead of a small militia, it's Jason... It's like it's very entertaining, you know, like, I mean, I love Rambo and I found that to be very fun. And, you know, if you look at it from Jason's point of view, too, it's like, oh, I'm brought back to a world that all I know is killing and all they want to do is kill me. And so I'm just gonna attack. And that's, maybe that's a bit of a stretch.
1: But... No, it's not at all. In fact, I'm really glad that you're bringing this up because I didn't see that at all after re-watching the film. Um, but now you, you make a, uh, a compelling argument for the uh, the parallels with Friday the 13th part six and Rambo, uh, I'm sorry, First Blood. That's true, yes, First we, we Blood. Can get all, and we'll get all, we can go into that <laughs> later as far as like film titles. You're
0: asking for trouble around here, friend. What characters really stood out for you in this one?
1: The only one that's that, that's really great, in my opinion, is Megan, played by Jennifer Cook. Yeah, um, strong choices. Yeah, I mean, she's just a fun character, and you, you kind of go along with... I, I don't know, it's, again i didn't really like any of the characters in this film it's not a terrible film but
0: um here's the thing yeah the two cops assholes really easy to make cops assholes but they were more than that they were like evil now your job Mm -hmm. as a cop isn't to just kill people as much as you know that's whatever we could get into that on another day in another podcast
1: i was gonna say we're gonna go into quite the rabbit hole on Um, that statement but uh okay so
0: so what i'm saying is a cop that threatens to shoot you like twice in a 10 minute span is a little bit um unhinged and the other cop just decides to mod his gun that is issued to him by the state police um, with the giant red, like, laser sight. What I'm trying to say is, like, you're introduced to these, like, over-the-top characters, and then you've got Megan, who you can at least latch on to because she's a likable character, who, although she's a little over-the-top, she's probably the best actor. And the one thing that really stuck out to me about Megan was when she was talking to Tommy and they were going to escape, like she was really excited on the
1: phone with him, but like all of her friends just died. It comes off like uh, Jennifer Cook's like a really cool person to hang out with, but th- the character makes no sense, whatever. Again, I I didn't care about any of these characters in the film. Huh, um, see,
0: you and I have conflicting thoughts on this one. I, did, I mean, I just had so much fun with it. That- well, we can both agree
1: that part five is 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 just amazing that's true that's true there's there's no argument there but but really quickly rob i was going to tell you um this movie was filmed in 1986 but it takes place in 1990 i don't know why they chose to do that but anyway that's i think i do know why because i was a little confused because
0: i think i misquoted a timeline in a episode back a couple and so i just want to go through with you the timeline to to right now in the friday the 13th series okay 1979, Part 1, 1984, July 10th through July 12th is Part 2, Part 3 is July 12th, July 13th, which is a Friday, and July 14th, ends on that one, Part 4 is also 1984, the continuing days, 14, 15, 16, jump six years, or no, you jump to 1989, and it's Part 5, and then 1990 part six so they can put it on a the friday the 13th
1: i got you and it's just october
0: of, 11th through the 13th
1: and it makes sense if they're continuing on with the tommy jarvis character that he would age appropriately yep from Corey feldman to basically a guy who's like 18 or something yeah in part five and life to go so rob i want to talk about a couple of things with you real quickly um first of all what are your first impressions of this opening to the film Oh, I
0: love a spooky cemetery scene.
1: Well, the thing about it is this is such a mixed bag because I both sort of love uh, the opening to this film and and I'm sort of confused or frustrated by it at the same time. And the reason I'm frustrated with it is because if Tommy Jarvis would have never dug up Jason's grave and opened up the casket and shoved a metal rod into his heart, and of course it's struck by lightning which resurrects Jason, then none of this would have happened. That's true. If he, just would have, if he just would have stayed away from the cemetery and got on with his life. So we, what we get in the opening of this film, um, it was all shot on an on a set, and it it's got you know fog and rain and lightning, and it's real atmospheric. And then we get a James Bond like spoof. Yeah, I guess they were big fans, and took you out of it. Is that what you're saying? I was just like, man, what a really kind of solid opening, just the way it was filmed. I think story wise, it's pretty iffy, but just the way it was put together, um, I thought that was really well done. And then sort of to just throw that in there and be like, oh yeah, I'm not that scared. And just, yeah, like you said, it takes you out of the movie. The biggest takeaway
0: from this for me is that our whole Jason tally has pretty much meant nothing unless we get to some big revelations towards the end of this series because now we have two separate entities, essentially. You've got the human Jason who's gone and now we've just got this supernatural being. So why do I need... Yeah, it's a a weird, crazy demon.
1: This is our, what, fourth, fifth episode and uh, we still really haven't figured out what Jason is. But no, you're right, Rob. But we know everything before was erased. True. So this is sort of like Jason lives. This is this is a new start to the character, I guess.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna keep my eyes peeled.
1: So kind so, of like Jason's worm-ridden eyes. Did you notice, like in part five, there were just a couple of worms on Jason's corpse, and then in this film, his face is just covered with maggots. It's uh, pretty. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty good uh, visual there. Oh, wormy Voorhees. Um, Rob, I don't know if you knew this already but this was the first film not to reach number one at the box office in this series I and it's also the, the first film uh, to not gross uh, 20 million uh, all the previous films had had grossed at least 20 million so this was sort of a uh, kind of the start of the decline at least uh, what a what a letdown. yeah i know I'm a little little
0: upset. Now really, I mean, I don't I mean, all we know is that nothing kills Jason. So I could list that he gets shot like seventeen times, a couple times in the head, he gets stabbed, keeps coming back, he gets struck by lightning and it just makes him alive. So I'm gonna have to just maybe look at some ancient folklore, see if it matches with anything.
1: And in, in your note taking, did you write down what makes Jason go away? In a sense like if he's about to kill you you can say something and he'll go away. Oh, really? What was it? So there's like a little girl in bed, and Jason's about to like stab her, and she starts praying to God, oh, and that's then right. J- and Jason's like, "All right, see ya later." And you're like, "Okay, so I guess uh, doing coke and and screwing is not a good idea." So I'll just pray, and maybe that will work. And that's exactly what happened. It it uh, she she survived
0: the film. I'll be like, hey, Jason, here's my king's house number. (laughs) Okay, so I think it was in episode two that we talked about where you thought the only place that it said what town it was in in New Jersey. In this edition, part six, um, it's all over the place. Yeah, Forest Green they, used to be Crystal Lake, but they also it didn't used to be Crystal Lake. It used to be whatever you had said, and then it was Camp Crystal Lake, right?
1: Yeah, they they changed it so no one would go digging up Jason's grave. But if they thought people were going to vandalize the grave or do something with it, why don't they just incinerate Jason's body? Yeah, you know, here's another I, thought: Who paid for the funeral
0: arrangements?
1: Well, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, Rob, because in my research, I read that in the original script. Uh, Jason's father paid to have him buried. Hmm. And that Jason's father was going to play a big part in this film which just never materialized. I bet his name was Chuck. Chuck Voorhees, of course. I know, good old Chuck. Maybe like a lumberjack or something. (laughs) Well, Graham, do you have any final thoughts? In addition to your thoughts on Rambo, Jason sort of does become an action star when he uh, flips this RV over and then stands on the RV. Oh, yeah. it's just it catches fire, just like an action star. But there's a lot of weird comedy in this film. For example, there's a guy who's thrown up against a tree and when his face sort of goes off the tree, we see like this bloody smiley face.
0: Yeah, and I also think that that might have uh, some political intent behind it because obviously this huge misogynist is chopped to death and then slammed into like a, uh, a symbol of peace and happiness in the
1: 70s. I think you might be onto something, Rob, or you might just be trying to polish this turd. Um, I'm going to go with that one. But you've had some really great thoughts on this film. This movie touched you a little bit more than it it had an effect on me. Um, Just one other quick note, um, again, sort of going with the weird sort of dark comedy in this film. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, Rob, but there's like the gravedigger. And he's like uh, a big kind of a boozer and he's drinking all this whiskey. And he's like, what does that guy think I am? He thinks I'm some kind of farthead." <laughs> and then they cut to all these kids going, yeah! And you're like, that is the most bizarre, like comical cut in a Friday the 13th movie. It makes no sense like tone wise. It's, it's funny. I mean, it's it's entertaining, but you're you're left kind of scratching your head. So, Rob, before we end the episode, let me ask you just real quickly. Um, So, we've watched now six Friday the 13th movies. Where does part six rank for you?
0: I would say three.
1: Okay, what's what's your
0: favorite so far? Um, I think I'm going to go five, two, six, one, four. You love number
1: two. Yeah, I like two. Um, I thought it was really good, but I, I think I have more of an appreciation for it. Um, after listening to you talk about it, so uh, maybe you've um, allowed me to sort of uh, delve into part two again and and Graham, discover some things I didn't I didn't see before. I think that you need to get yourself a six pack of Oktoberfest
0: beers or whatever seasonal you like, and uh, this weekend kick back and watch part two and watch part six again. You know, give yourself a <laughs> breather and just understand it from from the lens of of, of Rob. And with that, Graham. Um, can you just tell us what we have to look forward to on the next episode?
1: Um, yeah, the next episode we'll, we'll, will discuss part seven and that's one of my absolute favorite movies in the series. It's a great movie. It has a terrible ending, but besides that, it's a wonderful film. Well, Graham, I won't make you, uh, talk about Mel Gibson this time, but there is one
0: thing I'd like to say before we end, if that's cool. Okay. As you know that I told you off mic, uh, I stayed up really late putting the finishing polishes on two episodes of a new podcast that I am producing and editing uh, over at the Maxima Bun Network, which is um, a show called The Greatest Discovery, and it's hosted by the guys who host The Greatest Generation, which is a Star Trek podcast. Um, They're following the new Star Trek show, and they very awesomely asked me, to produce and edit it for them so if anyone wants to you know give it a listen it's under the greatest discovery wherever you get podcasts and if you're into star trek and you're watching the new show then it's a perfect companion because it points out all the bad stuff and it points out all the good stuff and the hosts are hilarious so give it a try
1: awesome well rob i am a trekkie so i will definitely check that out thanks graham well uh, i'll see you next week all right talk to you soon